0: Welcome to the Voice of Victory podcast. The goal of this podcast is to preserve the life and ministry of our late pastor, Dr. Jim Tedder. For 58 years, Dr. Tedder was the pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We believe the message you're about to enjoy will be a help and an encouragement to you. Thank you so much for listening. And now, here is Dr. Jim Tedder. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 23 and verse 3. Matthew 23 and verse 3. Do you want me to preach what you practice? In the book of Matthew chapter 23 and verse 3, That Jesus said, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not after their works, for they say and do not. Uh, That's pretty sorry. And if you'll go ahead and read the rest of uh, Matthew 23, one of the most blistering sermons that was ever delivered by our Lord Jesus Christ was delivered in Matthew chapter 23. You know who he was talking to? By the way, you never find Jesus blistering lost people like this. You know who he's blistering? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. People that pretend to be something that they're not. And, and, and I mean Jesus, uh, even that old lost boy that came to him and turned around and walked away from him and, and said, good master, what must I do to be saved? The Bible said when he walked away, Jesus loved him. Jesus loves sinners, but he despises hypocrites. And that's people that pretend to be something that they're not. And, and so our Savior here is saying, they'll bid you to do certain things, but you go ahead and observe them, but don't you do like they do because they say and they don't do. You know, that's, that's a, I guess if there's a fault today with churches in America, it's knowing what to do, but not doing it. The Bible tells us to be doers, doers of the word, and not hearers only. Now we hear, but God wants us to not only hear, but he wants us to put in practice what we hear. Father, we plead the blood in the name of Jesus, we come to you, Father, asking you that you would bless this service tonight. Asking you, Lord, that you would clear our hearts and our mind of everything, Lord, that would hinder or interfere with the spirit of God working. And I pray, Holy Spirit, we invite you to take charge. We thank you and praise you for uh, the gifts and 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 the uh, the six thousand dollars that you sent for the offering, and the six thousand dollars that you sent, Lord, on the van today. We praise you for that, and we ask you, Lord, that you would bless now as we preach the word of God. May our Savior be glorified. And Lord, may lost souls be saved if they're here tonight. And may God's people be drawn closer to the cross. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Practice what you preach. That's good advice. You expect the preacher to do that? I thought I'd get a roar of amens out of that. And rightly so. But now can the preacher expect you to do that? I think so. And can I stand here in this pulpit and preach what some folks practice? Would 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 I be fired if I did that? I think so. I think so. If I stood here and preached what some people practice and call themselves Christians, I believe our deacons would meet and our church would meet. And they say, Brother Tutter, we appreciate you being here for 123 years, but we're going to get rid of you. You stop preaching. What we want to hear. You stop preaching the Bible. Three points tonight's message. Can I preach what you practice concerning salvation? There are some people, and I'm talking to people that are saved now. I'm not talking to lost people, I'm talking to saved people. There are some people who are saved and satisfied. They're on their way to heaven, and they don't give a flip if nobody else goes to heaven but themselves. Uh, There's an old song that used to be popular. It's very unscriptural, but a lot of folks used to sing it anyway. I want a little cabin in the corner of Glory Land. And I believe there are a lot of folks that absolutely think that they would be satisfied if they had that little cabin in the corner of Glory Land and nobody else was there but them. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. We don't need to be satisfied with our salvation. God saved us. Not Listen, uh, why did God save you? To take you to heaven? Uh Uh-uh. And that's part of it. But God saved us to glorify Him. God saved us to live down here a life that would be pleasing to Him. And it would be wrong and sinful for us to be satisfied with our salvation. In the book of uh, Isaiah, I'm sorry, the book of Amos, chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible said, Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Let me go back in the Bible and pick you out a man that got at ease in Zion. That man's name was Lot. Lot was saved. I know he was, because the Bible tells us in First Peter that he was a justified man. He was a righteous man. But you go back into the book of Genesis, and you read the story of Lot, and if you had to judge by what God wrote down in the book of Genesis, you would say, I doubt very seriously if Lot's in heaven. But he is. You go over to First Peter, the Bible tells us that Lot's in heaven. He's justified by the blood. He's a righteous man, made righteous by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So Lot's saved. But Lot was a man that was satisfied. He was a man that knew that he was saved, but he didn't worry about the salvation of his family. Am I preaching to someone like that tonight, folks, you're saved, you're on your way to glory, and you're at ease in Zion. You're satisfied. You've got some folks that's in in your own family that's not saved. Somebody said, well, preacher, all my family members are saved. Do you have any insurance policy that would guarantee that? A lot of people here of late have been getting saved that thought they were saved. We've been seeing some folks walk this aisle and trust Jesus Christ that's been members of this church for quite a long while. Somebody said, but Brother Jim, all of my family's saved and I'm satisfied I'm taking my children, my wife, my, um, my husband, they're all going to heaven with me. Now, you don't know that. You don't know that. There's no time to get satisfied with your salvation. I'm just satisfied to go to heaven. There's a lot of Christians that's that way. But woe unto us that are, the Bible said, woe unto them that are at ease and Zion. Just going to heaven. Old Lot, you know the story. He got satisfied with making a living. He forgot how to make a life. I I want to hammer on that point because I know some people that think that the only thing that, that God put you down here to do is make a living. God put you down here to make a life. I tell I tell our kids back here, and I tell Brother Mike, it's more important that we teach our children how to make a life than it is that we teach them how to make a living. Now, a lot of folks, they just emphasize, oh, we've got to get our children educated. We've got to get them prepared. Why? Because we want them to go out here into the world and be successful. No child and no adult can be successful living out of the will of God. Amen. Now, if our children are going to be successful, honey, they're going to have to be in God's direct wheel. Lot was, uh, he was a successful businessman. Uh, he was a rich man. He had so much cattle that he and Abraham had to part company. And the Bible said Lot was looking out after number one. He chose the well-watered plains of Sodom. You know know the story. And then the next thing you know, he he got a little close to Sodom and Sodom moved into his family. Here's a man that was satisfied, but he shouldn't have been satisfied. Here was a man that gained a lot of popularity and here was a man that gained a lot of riches, but that man lost a whole lot more than he ever gained. That man lost his wife, that man lost his his sons-in-laws and his daughters-in-laws. That man lost everything that he had that he could have taken to heaven with him. Don't get, I'm gonna say it again folks. Don't get satisfied with just the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You've got a family to take care of. You've got a family to watch after. Now then there's a lot of folks that say, but they're silent. They just don't want to talk about Jesus. Over in the book of John chapter 7 and verse 12. John 7 and 12. Turn over there. Let's read a verse uh, here. John 7 and verse 12, the Bible said, And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. That's Jesus. For some said, He's a good man. Others said, Nay, but he, is, he deceiveth his, the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. The Bible said they were afraid. They were silenced. Uh, sometimes uh, somebody said silence is golden. And somebody else said, Yeah, it's, it's just been yellow. Let that soak in. Sometimes we get the lock jaw, not because silence is golden, but because we are afraid to speak up for Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't afraid to stand up for us. And shame on us when we get afraid to stand up for Jesus. Amen. The Bible said, for fear of the Jews, they kept their mouths shut. Uh, silence by fear. You say, how do you overcome fear? Well, you overcome fear by being brave. No, you don't. Over in the book of 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18... First John four eighteen the Bible said there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. How do we overcome fear according to the Bible? You answer me by falling in love with Jesus. How do we overcome the silence that, that old Satan gives us a lot, Joe, when it's time to speak? When it's time to witness? How many, how many people's come to me and said, Brother Jim, will you witness to my loved one? You know, when people do that, I want to say, why don't you witness to them? Yeah. Amen. Nothing wrong with you witnessing to them. Well, Brother Jim, I'm afraid. Uh, how many people's come to me? Brother Jim, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on my door. What am I going to do? Well, witness to them. Good night. The Mormons have knocked on my door. The Catholics have. No, the Catholics don't knock on your door. But but these cults that show up, why don't you witness to them? But I'm afraid, Brother Jim, why are we afraid to open our mouths to, for Jesus? Why are we afraid? I submit to you we're afraid because we don't love the Lord like we ought to love the Lord. He said, when you fall in love with me, you're not going to be silent about me. Have you ever heard me talk about my wife? I don't mean talk about my wife, but speak of my wife. Come on! Ever heard me talk, speak of my grandchildren? Ever heard me talk about my cows? You know what you talk, what you love is what you talk about. God said that's all wrong with a lot of a lot of the people that I've saved. They just don't love me. If they love me, they'd talk more about me and they'd speak up for me and they wouldn't be silent. If they just loved me more, God said that perfect love, let your love become perfect. And God said, When that love reaches that place of perfection, that place of maturity, then God said you're gonna be you're going you're not gonna be silent anymore. Can I, can I can I preach what you practice? Are some of you silent? About your salvation, or some of you have a showy type salvation, you want to show it off all the time. I'm proud I'm saved, but honey, I've got nothing to boast in me about in the book of acts I, I, listen the, the person that gave that six thousand dollars a few moments ago on that van, you know what they said? They said, Brother Jim, don't mention my name. if you mention my name, then people will start glorifying me and i don't I don't want that i want it to, I'm, I'm giving it to glorify the Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, 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 that's a little bit different from Ananias and Sapphira. You remember that? You remember that couple in the Bible? They, they had a showy type Christianity. I mean, they went out and sold a farm. They sold a piece of land and said, "We're going to take all." They may out like they're going to take everything that they that piece of land bought and lay it at the feet of the, uh, the Apostle Peter, and, and they connived and they only laid part of it. And folks, you listen to me. Simon Peter said, "When that land was yours, you didn't have to sell it." He said, even after you sold it, you didn't have to bring it and give it to the church. But you've lied. And you've connived. And you've lied to the Holy Ghost. And and you're trying to have a show-off Christianity. And you're trying to make people think how important you are instead of getting people to see how important the Savior is. And the Bible said God killed them both right there on the spot. There's there's that show-off type Christianity. I'm going to do it to get people to uh, glorify me. And then there's those folks that are secret disciples. In in the book of John chapter 19 and verse 38. John 19 and verse 38. The Bible said here concerning some of the disciples. John 19, 38. The scripture says, And after this Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. And he came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And then the Bible said there came also Nicodemus, which it was the first one that came to Jesus by night. And and, and uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea saved men, but they were secretly disciples of Jesus Christ. By the way, I don't believe in being secret anything. That just shot right over the lot of your head, didn't it? These organizations that run around with these secret handshakes and rings and all that kind of mess on and, 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 and meet once a month and do their good deeds and threaten to cut people's heads off and tongues out and all that bunch of junk. Uh, that's secret stuff. Jesus said, what I do, I do openly. You say, preacher, that hurt my feelings. And I'm sorry, you're just going to have to have your feelings hurt. Jesus didn't do it secretly, folks. And Jesus is not a part of any kind of organization that's a secret organization. I can preach like that and people get mad at me. People get mad at me for telling the truth. I'm telling you Bible, honey. And here was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and they were secret disciples. What kind of glory did Jesus get out of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus being secret disciples? None whatsoever. And it took a crisis. It took the death of the Son of God to bring out the fact that they were saved and trusted Jesus Christ. Now, I'm telling tell you something. It might take a crisis in some people's life. Uh, some man said, well, I'm saved, preacher, but I'm one of those secret disciples and I, and I, I worked 20 years in this factory and nobody suspects I'm saved. Why, well, shame on you. Shame on you. Let me brag on Beth a minute. Beth's 17 years old, plays that piano like she's 40. I mean, not, not, not the piano, but that over there. I'm telling you, she does a good job, doesn't she? Amen. She works. I work. I think past tense now as a waitress. I don't know where Beth went. She was here a few minutes ago. I saw her. Where you at, girl? You here? There she is in the back. Now you give me that five dollars you promised me. But there's a, there's a, some folks that was in that place from out of town the other day. She works at the Golden Corral, and and she waited on them. And that man came in contact with me recently and he said, Pastor, he said, I almost asked that girl, or almost told that girl, you're a Christian, aren't you? And it was bad. And he said, I didn't say a word about it, but he said, I could tell by the way she acted, the way she looked, the way she behaved, that she was a Christian. And then that man showed up at this church and he said, there she sat on that organ stool playing the organ." He said, I knew she was a Christian by the way she looked, the way she acted. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus, I'm going to tell you again, Jesus doesn't get a bit of glory out of you being saved and folks not being able to see or know that you're a disciple. Uh, this business of being a secret disciple, it's out. It doesn't work, my friend. They were secret disciples, and it took a crisis to bring out the fact that they were saved. Then I like these last two. Don't let this word scare you. There's those that are sanctified and know it. Now, let me tell you about the word sanctified. We get all upset and scared over that word. Uh, the Pentecostals, they, they place a wrong emphasis upon it and they try to make it mean something that it, they say, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I am too. Amen. I got saved and sanctified the night I got saved. Got all that. I got the filling of the Holy Ghost every time I surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ and get my all wicked stuff out of the way. Come on. Let the Holy Spirit have His way. i can be filled today and i can be filled tomorrow. By the way, I don't know about you, but I keep leaking. Huh? This business, man, I got filled with the Holy Ghost back in 1979. Well, praise the Lord, I did too, but it got leaked out about the next day afterwards. I can't keep it filled up, it don't seem like. This old body of mine is wicked and this old mind of mine is not perfect yet. And and, and the thoughts are there that, that... sins against my God and hurts him and, and, and this old body of mine. Sometimes I sit over there and just, I, 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 well, I told a couple, now, I said, man, I'm having a spasm. The man said, a spasm? I said, that's a Greek word. It means I'm having a ball here tonight. I'm enjoying myself. And, and, and this choir was up there singing and I just wanted to raise my hand and praise the Lord and carry on. I, I just sat there. And, like a dummy, grieving God's spirit. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yeah, come on. I lost some of you some time ago. I'm going to try to pick you up before I get through with this thing here tonight. When you're willing to be empty and when you place yourself at God's disposal, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost 20 times a day. When you've got a new task to accomplish, a new goal to reach, a new person to witness to, a new Sunday school lesson to pre- uh, teach, a new sermon to preach, a new song to sing. You can make yourself available through the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit to be a blessing to somebody else. Saved and sanctified. Don't you let it scare you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, the, Bi- the Bible said here for know ye not that the no that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate. And by the way, that's homosexuals, uh, and sodomites, and lesbians. I, I'm sick and tired of these folks trying to say we're normal and you're abnormal. They're liars. By the way, while I'm on that, I might as well get on this. I heard some folks cussing the, uh, America the other day because they dropped the bomb in World War II and stopped the war. There's a lot of that going around. And, and by the way, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of you kids, uh, you're being fed that kind of junk in your school. You're being told that kind of mess that we did wrong in trying to stop that world by dropping the bomb. And, and here's what I heard. Rick, I heard, I heard old boy on a talk radio show. He was trying to say it was wrong and wicked immoral. And you know what he quoted? He said, the Pope said it was. He said, the Pope said that for anybody to destroy an entire population, men, women, and boys, and girls, is wicked and immoral. The only time in my life I really got a hankering to call into a talk show. And then he said, and you're abusers of themselves with mankind. And he said, you're thieves and covetous, uh, and, and you were drunkards and, and rioters and extortioners. And he said, these shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he said, and such were some of you past tense, but ye have washed ye have In the blood. But ye are sanctified, set aside for the use of God. Ye are justified, declared just and holy and righteous by a holy God How in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There you have the plan of salvation. Isn't that good? Now watch it. Read it again. The Bible said, but ye were this, but now ye are washed through the blood. Thank God for the blood. And he said, now you're sanctified. What does that word sanctified mean? Now that you got saved, God set you aside. You know what? This table has been sanctified for the Lord. just means it's been set aside. It's not a place you play cards on. It's a place we serve the Lord's Supper on. Amen. Amen. This organ has been set aside. It's not a place you play rock and roll music on. It's a place that you play hymns and godly songs on. This pulpit in this church building has been sanctified. It means it's been set aside for the use of God. And when we're saved, we're set aside for God's use and God's purpose. And that means we're sanctified too. I praise the Lord for those folks that are sanctified. And then I praise God for those saints that are secure and they know it. Are you saved? Yes. How do you know you're saved? Because a verse of Scripture in the Bible tells me I'm saved or maybe two verses of Scripture, a whole passage of Scripture, but your salvation is not based on something that you've done. You listen to me. Your salvation is not based on some work. Your salvation is not based on church membership. It's not based on this altar. It's not based on that baptistry. It's not based on the fact you're a Baptist. But your salvation is based upon a promise in the Word of Almighty God. Are you saved? Yes. How do you know you're saved? I got a verse of scripture that tells me I'm saved. In the book of John chapter 10, verse 27, 28. I love it. John 10, 27, 28. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I've got a note here in my Bible said for me to have eternal life the eternal living God gave his life the eternal one died my sheep hear my voice I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life I give it they can't earn it They can't work and obtain it. They can't get it from their mamas and daddies. God said, I give unto them eternal life. That's not enough. And he said, and they shall never perish. Woo. I like that. And then he said, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Then he said, my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Read, read verse 20, uh, verse 29 again. My father which gave them me is greater than all. Now, now listen, I've got a note here in my Bible. It said God didn't give us to him. God gave him to us. My father which gave them me. Did you get it? God said my father gave me his Son on the cross that I might give them eternal life. Hallelujah. My eternal life, brother, is not based upon my giving to God, but God's giving to me. Isn't that plain? Isn't that simple? I like those people that are saved and sanctified and secure and they know about it. Can I? I if, you're, if you're sanctified and secure and know about it, I can preach what you practice. But if you're one of these others, I don't want to preach what you practice. Can I preach what you practice about serving? Our serving should be seen by growing. There's a progress in the Christian living. You don't just get saved and sit there and 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 not develop. I, I, listen, folks, it, it's disheartening to pastor full-grown men and women that act like little babes. It's it's disheartening, I, and, and I get I've got a, I've got a little bit of Nehemiah in me. Nehemiah. He wanted to grab a hold of the... He grabbed someone by the hair of the head and just shook the living daylights out of him. I won't do that sometime. Just get, get in the flesh. I, I knew I did it in the spirit. You just pray, God give me the spirit to do that. Just get a hold of somebody by the hair of the head. Wouldn't you like to get a hold of Bobby? Wouldn't you like somebody to get a hold of you, Bobby by the hair? And, if he had any hair, he said, I'd love to. And just shake the... I mean, I'm talking about grown men, grown women... That get the pooch mouth because somebody hurt my feelings. (laughs) Folks, you're not here to serve somebody. You're here to serve the Lord. And if somebody in this church can hurt your feelings and cause you to quit, you've been coming to church all these years for the wrong purpose. You've been coming to church all these years to please man, and you ought to be sitting in this church all the time to please you, God. Amen. The, the, the Christian life is a process of growing, but I'm going to serve notice on you. Pardon the English, but growing ain't easy. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11, The Bible said here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, I've given you a wrong reference. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. The Bible said, For they are ministers of Christ, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, I'm, I'm more in labors more abundant, and stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, and deaths oft there are laborers in the Lord they got a beautiful bus ministry praise God for the bus ministry they got beautiful I like our carpet I'm going to be glad when they get this part of it carpeted up here, amen Uh, for the benefit of you folks visiting I told them last Sunday, uh, we almost had enough money to put the carpet on the stage I'll be glad when they get this carpeted I'll be glad when we get our new piano in here I'll be glad when we get this building. Every piece of wood is in here is varnished and shellacked and every nail is driven and all the building is complete. And I'll tell you what, the Sunday that that happens, the Sunday that that happens, Clint, we're going to get victory by this church. People are going to think we're nuts, sure enough. And we're going to go out and we're going to join hands and we're going to go all the way around this building holding hands, praying, dedicating this place to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said, well, Brother Jim's already God's. I know it, but we're going to officially make it God's. And we're going to say, Lord, look what great works you have done. And I, I pray on that Sunday that the Holy Spirit of God's going to come down here the way it did in the Old Testament, and we can't even get inside this building for a little while because of the presence of the Lord. Amen. That suit me just fine. It suited me just fine, Clint, when we walked inside this building, if the Holy Ghost of God would come down and say, just sit over there, shut up, and let me minister to the congregation today. Suit me just fine. Now, I'm talking about growing. And I appreciate it. We, we We're trying to get these pews padded. Well, <laughs> I got to talking about all this building program. Somebody said, Preacher, are we going to pad those pews? I said, yeah. And, and I got to talk about some more doing. I said, Preacher, are you sure we're going to get these pews padded? <laughs> we, we want that done. We want that done. But I'm telling you, all our padded pews and all of our fine buildings and all the things that we're putting inside this is absolute nothing. It doesn't mean we're growing. Paul said, here's how I grew. I grew by labors. I grew by stripes. I grew by being in prison. I grew by being uh, put to death on one occasion. And then he said, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once uh, was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck a a night and a day. I've been in the deep. And then he said, in journeyings often and in waters and uh, in perils and waters and perils and robbers and perils by mine own countrymen and perils by the heathen and perils in the city and perils uh, in, in the wilderness and in perils at the sea and the sea and in perils among false brethren. Now listen in weariness and, and painfulness and watchings often and in hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and in nakedness and besides all those things that, which is, uh, that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches. That's growth. That's growth. All these awful, ugly things happened to Paul, but Paul said, I will not quit serving Jesus. Somebody hurt my feelings. Now, isn't that pitiful? Isn't that pitiful for a grown man, a woman to take that attitude in the light of what that man said caused him to grow in grace? I'm going to serve notice on you. I've been pastor of this church for 10 or 15, maybe 20 or 30 years now. But I got, I, my feelings have been hurt. Twice. Every 15 or 20 minutes. Huh? And if I'm here, now you listen to your preacher. If I'm here just to please man, and if I'm here just because nobody ever hurt my feelings, honey, I wouldn't be here tonight. And I pity the man and woman that's gotten the more love, that's gotten the more grace, that's gotten the more maturity to say, somebody hurt my feelings, so I'm going to quit coming to church. Good night, folks. Get right with God. Can I preach? people practice when they pr- I can't preach that I can't preach that can I preach on going Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 and 9 God said to Isaiah said, whom shall I send who shall go for us Isaiah said here my Lord send me I got to think another day if I was a piece of furniture I'd be a priceless antique if I was a preacher, piece of furniture, I'm I'm on my way, Rick, to being an heirloom. If I was a piece of furniture, I got to think about that. Brother Mike got talking about this retirement program. <coughs> Why well, dream, Harold? I dream of retiring, getting my wife afraid, getting old. She's 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 afraid of water. Getting us a boat, getting her over her fear of water, and getting out on the lake somewhere, fishing. By the way, I've really got a big dream. I I dream of getting us a houseboat. Just getting out on the lake and living for two or three months. You ever thought about if you lived in a houseboat, you wouldn't have to pay taxes? (laughs) Just go out there and have acres and acres in your front yard. Wouldn't have to pay taxes on any of it. Just live in a houseboat. I get dreaming like that. And then I come back to reality. I won't tell you when I plan on retiring, when I keep preaching anymore, when I can't walk anymore, and when somebody takes me out yonder and plants me six foot on the ground, then you can say, oh, Brother Jim's retired. Now, you might get rid of me sometimes at this church, but blessed be God, I'll preach. If God crack a door somewhere, I'll stick my head in and start preaching. They, I mean that. There ain't no retirement problem. But they ain't no quit. Whom shall I sin and who will go for us? And I like what old Isaiah did. He stuck his little hand up and said, God, hear me. use me. Oh, mercy to me. I've got an idea that if we had some young people that just raised their hand when God said, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? If some young person or some old person would just lift up their hand and say, Lord, hear my I send me, God said, Okay, I'll use you. You know why God doesn't use us because we're not available to be used to the Lord. And and most of us are afraid to raise our hand because we're afraid God will send us somewhere. Amen. Are we growing? Are we going? Are we giving? Christian maturity is shown by giving. I like this verse in Proverbs 19, 17. Proverbs 19, 17. Turn over there just for a second. Let's read that verse. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. The Bible said here, He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. and That which he hath given will he pay him again. Let me, let me put that verse in context with what God did here Wednesday night. For the benefit of you folks that weren't here Wednesday night, we had one of the finest missionary reports that Victory Baptist Church has ever received in its 30-something year history of being a church. We had, I felt like we had the modern-day Apostle Paul standing up there giving us a report last Wednesday night. I mean, it was exciting. I I sat there and cried and squalled and and shouted inside. My shout doesn't come out this way. It comes out right here. That man had driven over 4,000 miles to get a van. And you know what that church wanted to give him? A piece of junk that they themselves couldn't use, but they wanted to send it down there for him to bring the Mexican children and people to church in Mexico. Piece of junk that they couldn't use anymore. Folks, I love you, but I'm tired of people giving God junk. Amen. David said, I'm not going to give my God that which cost me nothing. I got something I can give to the Lord. What is it? Well, We've got us a new one whatever this old dilapidated, outdated, flip-flop thing is, we'll give that to God. Hallelujah, Lord, we're going to give you something. Thirteen years ago, I paid $60 for that outfit. Folks, that doesn't impress the Lord. And when that man got through giving his, his mission report, Glenn Boyce, I, I'm sitting up there on that front row thinking, we ought to give him that van. I'm just thinking, did you did you think it? How many of you thought that? How many of you thought that? If you thought that while that man was preaching, just raise your hand right now. I want to see your hand. Okay, look here. Look here. One, two, three, four. Hold your hand up. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, thirteen, fourteen people sitting in this church house thinking while that man's preaching we ought to give that preacher that van. Glenn Boyce came up to me. He said, preacher, I'm going to tell the whole story to you. He said, I might be speaking out of order. But he said, I think we ought to give that preacher a van. I said, I agree with you. And then Glenn, like Simon Peter, rebuking Jesus, took me aside and began to rebuke me. He said, I'm not talking about one of the old war Vans. I'm talking about that. You. I said, shut up, Glenn. Don't be rebuking me. I know what van you're talking about. <laughs> huh? That's the that way the conversation went. I told Glenn, I said, Glenn, we'll know by Sunday the mind of God. And, and I'm praying if that's God's will, and I feel like it is, and he felt like it is, I said, Lord, let somebody else come to me and say, Preacher, that's, that's God's will. I walked from there to right about there, and I met two more men. And they were in tears and laughing and shouting and praising God. And one of them looked at me and said, I wish we had a new van to give him. The other one looked at me and said, oh, Why don't we just give him that new Ford van out there? I said, Hallelujah. Amen. God confirmed it just like that. We didn't need a we didn't need a letter from heaven, amen. We didn't need a telegraph, we didn't need a telephone call. God said, That's it, do it! And bless the Lord, we did it, and our church just shouted. And praise the Lord and had a glorious time. And God, and by the way, you know what we did? We gave something to the poor. You say that missionary is not poor, you all go down there and see his firebombed house. Huh? You ought to go down there and see the people that he ministers to if you think we didn't give something to the poor. Now God said, now read read my verse again, He that hath pity upon the poor and lendeth unto the Lord. Now who got the van last, last Wednesday night? The Lord got the van. We had pity on the poor... And the Lord got the van to bring those Mexicans and bring those Indians under the house of God. You know what he said when he looked at that van he said that ought to hold at least 60 Mexicans. <laughs> 15 passenger van. I guarantee you it will hold 60 Mexicans. I don't know how they do it, but they'll get them in there somewhere or another. Now God said, now what did God say? God said you did that for the poor and he said, he that doeth for the poor lendeth to the Lord. And then he said, And that which he hath given, will he pay him again? God said, I'll pay you back. Shoot. That's a Greek word. means I want to run. You got it, brother. Did you you see me? I had it in gear there. The transmission was going, brother, but the old motor just wouldn't get it going. Giving to the Lord and then glowing. Let your light so shine before others that they might see your good works. I can preach that. And I can preach where you ought to glow. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 20, the Bible said Jesus was in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And he said, you light your light, and you set on a candlestick. And Jesus said, I'm in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks and the seven golden candlesticks of the seven churches. I can preach that. Tim, I can preach that a person that's saved ought to grow. Are you growing? I can preach that a person that's saved ought to be going. Are you going? I can preach that a person is saved, or to be giving. Are you giving? I can preach that a person is saved, or to be shining. Is your light on a candlestick? Candlesticks, a local church. I didn't put that in the Bible. That's just rightly dividing the Scripture. We've been, our church has been doing some mighty important. Our Sunday school classes have been doing some mighty important teaching lately. There's a lesson that says, that tells you why you are what you are. There are some people out here that, they're a fun-loving bunch. Had got a serious bone in the body hardly. Outgoing. God made you that way. There's some other folks around here, you couldn't laugh. I'm telling you, nothing to tickle you. You're so serious that... Uh, that uh, even when the preacher tells a joke, you think I'm backslidden. <laughs> Nothing could excite you. God made you that way. There's some people around here so serious that they've got to dot every eye and cross every T. God made you that way. There's some people around here that don't want the boat, boat to be rocked. You want the status quo to stay status quo. God made you that way. And I'm proud God did. I'm proud God gave us a variety. There's been some Sunday school lessons that's been taught and being taught in this church that tells you why you were born. Now, you know what these teachers are doing now? They're teaching some Sunday school lessons that tell you why you were born again. Now, you find out why God put you here to start off with, and then you find out why God gave you eternal life. Secondly, you know what you're going to find out? You're going to find out God's perfect, direct will in your life. Once you know it, do it. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. You're not going to find that from the pulpit. You're going to have to come to Sunday school to find that. I'll never know it then. Well, it's your fault. Hey, hey, the, past, the, the shepherd cleaned off the pasture. He brought the sheep. Jesus cooked the meal. And he said, children, come and dine. The meal is here. The table has been set. But Jesus said, I'm not going to bring the table to you. You're going to have to come here to dine. A lot of folks are never going to grow in grace because they just don't come and die. And it, I'm not going to do this in the pulpit. I'm purposely... I, I started, but you remember I said, I'm going to teach the gifts of the Spirit. I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to our Sunday school class teach you the gift." By the way, some of you Sunday school tatchers, that's a Greek word. You, are you one of our Sunday school teachers? So you Sunday school teachers, you want that? I've got the, I've got it all typed out. The spelling's a little funny. Got all those Greek words in it, but the best I know how, I typed it out, and then I've got it ready for distribution. And if you want all I've got on the gifts of the Spirit, there, Sunday school teachers, you can have them. Teach your Sunday school class. You've got to come here to get it. Can I preach what you practice about yourself? You know who your big enemy is? Say, my big enemy is Satan. you got an enemy that's bigger than Satan. you got an enemy that's closer to you than the devil. Your enemy, your biggest enemy is you. My biggest enemy is me. Now, can I preach what we practice about ourselves? If you're saved, you belong to three families. You belong to your home... Family, you belong to your church family, you belong to the family of the society family, a social family. Now, what kind of behavior do we have in our home? Well, bless God, I'm saved, preacher. I've got eternal security, preacher. I know my name's been written down in the book of life, preacher. Somebody hurt my feelings. I'm going to quit coming to church. And you've got some family that's watching. You've got some lost people in your family that's going to say, yeah, I knew it wasn't real. I knew it was just for self-gain. I knew that just as soon as the going got rough, they'd check out. How do you behave in front of your home family? Rick, there's four little eyes watching you and your wife. They're watching. Rick, you got some little eyes watching you. Dad and Mom, you got some little eyes watching you. I mean, it's easy. Come on, church. It's easy for people to see us in church at our best behavior and say, Boy, they're good folks. But our little boys and girls see us at our home in our worst behavior. They see us when we get up out of the bed and grouchy. They see Mom and Daddy Clint when they're fussing and cussing one another. Huh? They see all the rough stuff. Are they seeing enough in your home to say, Bless God, my mama and daddy are saved, and they act like they're saved? What are they seeing in your home? Can I preach what you practice in your home? Can I preach what you practice at church? The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, I I believe you might have a wrong reference there. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And and, and verse uh, 15, the Bible said, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Uh, Folks, let me give you a word. Appropriate. That's a dandy word to learn about God's service. Appropriate. I told some folks the other day that was trying to have a ball game in here, I said, that's not appropriate. We have ball games on the other side of that wall. This room has been dedicated for us to serve the Lord and worship the Lord and sing the praises of God in. It's a place where people can come and be fed. It's not a place where we run around with a hamburger in one hand and milkshake in the other. Now that's back down in the cafeteria. That room has been dedicated for that. We go back there and do that. Uh, the, that gymnasium has been set aside for uh, ball games and and, and and what have you made. You eat your popcorn and shout your head off and have a good time at the ball game. This room's not. It's not appropriate for that kind of stuff. I looked around. One of the little girls today innocently got a hold of my grandson. I've got, I've got, I've got three grandsons and two granddaughters. I've got one little blonde-headed grandson. Is he here tonight? Is is is, is Gavin here tonight? I don't know if he's here tonight. He's a little bow-legged fella that walks like this, walks around like a bear. He's going to be a disaster. He's going to be head of a demolition, a demolition team. So he's going You know, these big buildings, and all of them just fall straight down. He'll do that. The time he's 19 years old, he'll be bringing buildings down and crashing bridges into the oceans and stuff like that. And, and a little girl innocently today had Gavin, and she brought him up here on stage. I said, honey, don't do that. My kids or my grandchildren should not be up here on the stage throwing a $150 microphone around and breaking it. Our kids should not be back there in a $1,200 sound system on the backside of that. that that's not, our kids should not be sitting here on this organ twisting these knobs and, and, and trying to get a sound out of this that somebody that's spent years and years of their life training knows how to play. Our children should not be over there taking their little fist. God bless them, isn't it cute? They get their fist. Boom, 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 boom. Bing, 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 bing. That's stupid. This stuff is God's. It's dedicated to God. Let it belong to God. Let it be used for God. Amen. Amen. You say, I want my kid to learn to play. I'm a piano. That's not in your outline. That's not in my outline. But that's in that verse of scripture. Then God said, thou ought to know how to behave yourself when you come to the house of God. What do we do in the house of God? We come in the house of God. It's a place of reverence. It's a place uh, where we're appropriate. It's a place where we sing, a place where we worship, a place where we give, a place where we testify, a place where we listen. Brother Tim preaches, uh, preached. He, he preached. He preached to teaching. He taught, a, he taught a preaching out here the other day in Sunday school. And boy, I amen him. Did you remember that one? He